You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room Welcome to our In Conversation programme featuring sporting heroes from the world of sport in general and past and present Yeovil players and supporters. And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck it's your chance to find out what makes these sported heroes tick. And also, we get a feel for their musical preferences. To take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful day So sit back and enjoy as Three Valleys Radio brings you the best in local sport. Good evening again and welcome to In Conversation. And tonight's guest is a big one. Oh yes indeedy. We are really privileged to have with us today Mr Martin Tyler, who of course is the Sky Sports football commentator and to coin a phrase, it's live. Good evening Martin, thanks very very much for joining us. It's a pleasure AD. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to entertain your listeners too much but I'll do my best. I'm sure you've got tales of, of football that will, will fascinate everybody, that's for sure. But I, I've got to ask, I guess the first one is really, um, it's surprising that a Sky Sports commentator of your calibre and experience is also the assistant manager of Woking, the National League. Um, it's a surprise, maybe, to people who don't know me. It's not a surprise to me. <laughs> no, 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 quite. I've, I've, um, I've been working with a guy called Alan Dowson for, um, I think, 15 years now at four different clubs, but uh, it wasn't supposed to happen, I guess. It wasn't something I was looking to do, but I, my background is non-league. I, I'm a Woking fan, strangely, the fourth of the four clubs that we've been at happens to be the club that I grew up loving and watching and still I get asked a lot, who do you support yeah. people have their own opinions that I support Premier League teams one of the questions that I hate ask, being asked of me because it, it really um, I think undermines football supporters is oh you must have a Premier League team why must I have a Premier League team yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've went to Woking when I was 8 years old um, with my uh, next door neighbour's son uh, and we, we just went as kids could back in the 1950s and watched the game fell in love with the game um, and working football clubs played a huge part in my life uh, although I did end up playing against them which was strange but that happens at the, at the top level often commentators try and find out who the footballers themselves the Premier League footballers support and uh, you sometimes get an occasion where somebody scores a goal against his boyhood team uh, so uh, I didn't score <laughs> against Woking when I played in the Isthmian League against them but um, 
it was an interesting experience. So, yeah, non-league fan, non-league footballer, um, and uh, want to be higher than that, but that's only as, as far as I got. And um, uh, then I had the chance, quite luckily, to uh, go into journalism, and, and that led me into television. So it's a strange route, really. I, I think now it's much more conventional. You just do a media course, probably for A-level at school, and then um, go off to a media college with some great courses around. And if there are any want-to-be commentators listening, I would say there's a great pathway now, mm. and all sorts of outlets, of course, with the advent of internet and local radio and many more television stations. When I started, there was BBC and ITV for television. That's all there was. So yeah. it was very hard to get a, a crack at it, but I was lucky enough to get one. And um, as you mentioned at the start, yeah, I was with ITV for 17 years and they taught me my trade, really. And then I was lucky enough to be at that kind of right age and experience, I suppose, when um, the sports channels came along and, and there was an opportunity to uh, do live football, which we hadn't done too much of prior to that. Some, of course, World Cups and Cup Finals and various other competitions that were allowed to be broadcast live. Some games in the old football league in the 80s, the, um, the, the top clubs came up with a, uh, a format that allowed, uh, when I was working for ITV, to do some Sunday afternoon games, which maybe some of your listeners remember, and I did uh, a portion of those. Brian Moore was the the main man, of course, in that mm. time. Sort of, it's sort of fallen into place, and then when I got asked to do, um, I met um, uh, with my son's team, uh, Alan Dowson. We did a bit of, I don't know. Um, he was the professional coach and I was the dad helping out on a Thursday afternoon and then he moved from his own non-league playing career or well, he was a league footballer to start with but he was playing non-league when we met and he moved into management in non-league football and extraordinarily he asked me to join him as regular listeners will know we always include our guest choice of music on the programme and uh, this first one you know at most football clubs you have to when a new player arrives or a new manager arrives they have an initiation ceremony where you have to sing a song and this particular one is Martin Tyler's choice on such occasions Stop! 
Well, that was Martin's first choice, and of course it was the love affair and bringing on back the good times. What team were you playing for in the Isthmian League, and what position did you play? Um, I played for Corinthian Casuals, and I played up front. Um, that's all I was, a big big unit up front, really. And yeah, yeah. Um, uh, decent in the air, but not much at anything else. Um, and I had, had a real go at it, and I wanted to be a professional sportsman. Football and cricket were the two sports that I think everybody played it. Those people of my age will know that that's what life was. He played football until the season finished, then he went and played cricket. And mm. I had a go at both sports. I played uh, representative cricket. I played for Surrey schools. And um, actually, I knew how ordinary I was compared to those who are destined for the top when uh, my, my sad story now because he's recently passed away Bob Willis was my school friend and yeah. we moved into a flat in South London together and um, I watched his career blossom and I uh, ended up playing uh, I used to drive him to the Sunday benefit matches and I got a few games actually oh, <laughs> but, right. um, uh, so uh, uh, but I saw what it took to be um, yeah to be really top of it and I was never going to be that at football or cricket but I had a go and that's um, you know, the background really it wasn't a journalistic college for me I never learned shorthand I never was trained in any um, in any capacity the only training I got was that I watched everything I read the papers I loved the game and um, I suppose some of that stuck really Right more music now and this is Martin's second choice and it's Adam Faith and poor me Oh me, oh oh me, oh oh sorrow sleeping around my head. It's been heard and it's been said that you who tried to date another guy didn't hide. Didn't even try cheating me with lies again Making me remember when I used to hold you by the side Each night, that's right I could have hoped that maybe you might fall upon me What a while, you say to me, sit and cry that this was meant to be love's unkind and love's true. Oh, why did love pick out you for me? For me, for me, for me. I used to hold you by the so tight each night. That's right, I kind of hope that maybe you might fall upon Why do voices say to me, sit and cry That this was meant to be love's unkind and love's untrue Oh, why did love pick out you for me, for me, for me, for me Well, there we go, that was Adam Faith, who 
coincidentally used to live just around the corner for me when i lived in london and poor me but do you not think uh, you know i i mentioned bruff scott i i we did an interview with bruff scott and he's such a great sort of wordsmith really and uh that has to come naturally but i mean presumably speaking the voice or whether you're writing it down uh there, there has to be a certain natural talent which you've obviously got because you wouldn't have got as far as you have without it no i think i had the knowledge of the game i was coached by some good people um, I think I learned the vocabulary, if you like, the technique of commentating. I felt comfortable in a football ground. I obviously tried to be out there on the pitch and, and tried to um, uh, learn about the game in an active way rather than in a journalistic way, but the, the two weren't too far apart. Mm. And so when I started, I got a very lucky break because there was uh, an ITV regional match that n there was nobody about to commentate on. It was over the Christmas period back in 1974. And I was, um, I'd done a couple of tests. I was working inside television. I was working as an editorial assistant at London Weekend Television in very good company with Brian Moore and the, the big match and the on-the-ball team, very top of the range. I was very lucky to get a, uh, an opening into that because the little bit of journalism I'd done before had brought me into contact with two or three uh, people who worked on those programs, and I guess I was lucky that who I knew, <laughs> as opposed to what I knew, because I didn't know very much. But I... Um, uh, I guess uh, I, I wanted to get back out again. The job was in the studio, editing the goals together and the matches together, for highlights. And I wanted to find myself back in football grounds uh, on a Saturday afternoon, as it predominantly was then, and this seemed to be the only way to do it. So mm. I had a, a crack privately, as a, I suppose, with a certain amount of influence. That I was working for the company, so I, they could get me a seat on the television gantry, and I just waffled into my own little um, cassette recorder of which were the things of the time but I had of course the ear of the people who mattered and yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they basically said well it's not too bad have another go when you can yeah. and then this job came out of the blue and somebody well, I will never forget a guy called Bob Gardham who was ITV's top uh, football director at the time um, he heard that this um, vacancy was there and he pushed it my way and obviously that changed my whole life really not not instantly but it shaped the life that's followed since and Bob's no longer with us but I never lost my sense of gratitude to him yeah absolutely more music now this is Martin's third choice which is Elvis Presley and his latest flame a very old friend came by today cause he was telling everyone in town the name of his latest flame He talked and talked and I heard him say that she had the longest, blackest hair the prettiest green eyes anywhere and Marie's the name of his latest flame Though I smiled, the tears inside were burning I wished him luck and then he said goodbye He was gone but still his words kept returning What else was there for me to do but cry Would you believe that yesterday This girl 
was in my arms and swore to me She'd be mine eternally And Marie's the name of his latest flame Though I smiled, the tears inside were burning I wished him luck and then he said goodbye He was gone but still his words kept returning What else was there for me to do and cry? Would you believe that yesterday This girl was in my arms and swore to me She'd be mine eternally And Marie's the name of his latest flame Yeah, Marie's the name of his latest flame Oh, Marie's the name of his latest flame the King, of course, his latest flame. We're going back to the, the, the football side of you. I mean, we'll come to television in a, in, in a minute, I'm sure. But um, how many times have you been down to Yeovil? Have you have you been down with Woking at all, or with any others? Um... Yeah, we got um, we got battered in the first half last season nationally. We were three 0 down. Yeah. We did win the second half one 0 but it wasn't very good. Uh, we did beat Yeovil at, um, at Woking in a, a very tight game, and Sean Donnellan, who used to play for Yeovil, scored the winning goal. For yes. Yeah, uh, I remember that one. Um, but uh, they were they're very good, and I've I've commentated, of course, at the ground as well. Um, the Arsenal Cup tie back when in the early nineteen nineties, I remember coming down with with Arsenal to commentate yeah. there. Well, we've had um, we've had two against Arsenal, so uh, yes, I, I can't remember. Was it Arsenal one one nil two nil? Really, was it the one Ian Wright scored a couple of goals in? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that would have been the nineties, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and of course, I hear a lot about. I mean, Tony Williams has done so much for non-league football with his yearbook and yeah. his passion for the game. Uh, also played for Corinthian Casuals way back when, before my time. <laughs> and, no. uh, um, but I, I've spoken to him about about Yeovil uh, a lot of times, and uh, uh, yeah, I was down actually um, near Bridport a week or so ago, and I saw signs to Yeovil, and I thought, oh. Goodness me, that was a painful memory from our one season so far in the National League, yeah. uh, and we've we've got to go again. But great setup. Um, uh, the team was really good on the night, and um, you know we we gave them a good game at home. Maybe slightly fortunate, I'm sure. Yeovil fans, maybe some listening would would have been at the game, and yeah, it fell our way um, up at Woking. But uh, no, it was it's it's a privilege to be in the dugout for a club of that stature and going into the National League. It's been a, almost uh, my two parallel lives have almost collided, really, because obviously I've come across a lot of people who um, who I've dealt with as commentator to football uh, managers, players, and whatever. Mm. And it's always fun because you know I think it it is the football family, whichever role you have. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm lucky enough um, as we speak to have um, you know still have that connection with working and. Although we don't know quite what's going to happen with the, with the return of the National League, um, and I've just done a, a stint, obviously with Sky. I've, I did eighteen commentaries, I think, in the restart in the Premier League. Yeah, um, all from all from the ground. So it was, um, you know, it's been it was great to be out there and a privilege, obviously, representing all those who couldn't be there to try and um, you know, try and create what they're missing. Yeah. And, uh, everybody is grateful to the Premier League that we. 
we did have some games and some very good games as it turned out to um, to broadcast without wanting to bang on too much about the National League um, how many times uh, you know, how long have you been at uh, Woking that's the second season oh it's only um, the second season we, right? got, we, yeah. got, we got promoted the first season by the playoffs yeah yeah and uh, and obviously well I say the second season that ran however many games it ran I'm delighted to see that it led to the playoffs and an official the season is official because yeah. below the National League the FA yeah I didn't think that was very fair but there we go I I Listen, I, I don't understand. There might be very good legal protocols that had to be followed. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to be on your program criticising the FA because they are um, a terrific organisation with a wonderful history. But I think it was the fear for us at Woking. Um, we hadn't coached in the National League before. Yeah. So would we actually be on the record as having been part of it? And some of our players, more importantly than, than my own particular personal feelings, was that the players had tried so hard to get us there and had you know, won us a promotion a lot of them stayed and, and became um, players at the higher level and their appearances and goals and whatever are, are still on the record which they might not have been mm. No exactly, Well, I, I know uh, the manager of Truro Town very well and they were running away with their league and uh, Paul Watney he played for uh, he played for Yeovil at one stage in Plymouth for a hell of a long time and uh, you know I know from his side of the things how he felt about it and it, it was a a rather difficult sort of situation to be in but do you feel that you know that this whole covid business i mean it's something that we could never have expected i mean it's never happened before so nobody's got any experience of it but uh, i i can't see how national league teams can hope to play on october the third behind closed doors because they just haven't got the money to do it more music now this one is called don't stop and it's by journey
was Don't Stop, and it was by Journey. Well, you said that, and um, I think you'll find a lot of people in non-league football agreeing with that. Mm. Um, I, because of um, you know my connection with with the broadcasting side of it, I've really not been involved with um, uh, with what the policy has been at our football club. Um, we're due to start training in a few days, mm. so yeah, yes. hopefully so that's yeah. a step in the right direction. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know what Yeovil are doing, but I guess they they're starting on the seventeenth, I think. So uh, yeah, yeah, they so, are starting on the seventeenth. Yeah, they're starting yeah. training definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but um, I mean, you know, everybody's up in the air. We don't know what to expect, like you, really. It's uh, no. I mean, listen. What what I would say to you, lady, is that um, it's a bigger picture we all have to buy into it we, we, we're so blessed to be in our world of football our world of sport we you know it's a, it's a wonderful family to be part of everybody's got a connection whether we're rivals or on a particular match day or whatever but we're all we all very much the, the same kind of people we, we believe in the, the ethics of, of, of sport and, and what it brings the good it brings but this is beyond that particular world and we have to take advice. Uh, I must say, I've had to learn a lot through it. Uh, I know people who've had COVID and have been very ill. Yeah. And so I I have total respect for the problem and the, the size of the problem that the government are having to deal with. And bearing in mind, they came in on a, a triumphant ticket, <laughs> not expecting anything like this. No, quite. Uh, it's been very tough for them. And, you, you know, put, put yourself in their position uh, you know, nobody's got any knowledge of it so no, no. starting from scratch and doing their very best to, yeah. um, to keep us safe you know and that, I think I think that they have to be judged on that on that parameter and um, we have to we have to do what we're told keep ourselves safe look after ourselves our families um, and try and get back to some sort of normality and football has taken some big steps towards that with the German football to start with and then the Premier League obviously and you know, the Scottish season started again uh, yes I was delighted a, a player that we had at Hampton and Richmond Nicky Kabamba got man of the match on Sky Sports playing for Kilmarnock against Celtic and oh. the real thrill to, to see that a uh, real connection uh, yeah. and yeah. that's and he was playing for Hartlepool in the National League last season and yeah. uh, he was leading Celtic and Merry Dance yesterday so um, you know there are signs there but we have to be patient but when when we get the chance we have to take it we have to be ready as well and that's the mm. balance Act. Yeah, and everybody in football is trying to be on their toes, not to get caught out, but on the other hand, in trying to get ready, making sure the club can support the expenditure that it takes to be ready. And uh, obviously, um, you know, the, the, the risk of, of further COVID is is still there. So, yeah. as I say, we just have to be vigilant, but we have to be aware that there there is an opportunity. Nobody said we're not starting on October the third. No. So while it's there, we've got to be ready to go uh, and I suppose you know in your particular job you've been in the front line in the context of all the uh, red zones and green zones at, at every stadium you've been to so far so you've been meeting it head on as it were I've been in the amber zone <laughs> oh, have you? right yeah where I've been allowed to go as a broadcaster yes not yeah. the red zone is the one that obviously is for the players and, yeah um, and, and all the officials the club officials and, and the medical team and everything but um, 
yeah, it's it's it brings it home to you. Mm. You know, you, you, we've been encouraged to drive our own cars there. I would often go on public transport. You know, the rail service from the London area. Yeah, I mean the football teams do. I mean, I, I don't know how you travel, but we we from from Woking, we go up to Fylde and Wrexham and Stockport and places like that on the train. And do you? Yeah, so that that's been sort of off limits for. Uh, the broadcasters mm. um, but I went on a train a couple of days ago for the first time since probably March and I managed to uh, get a cope and I, I think um, uh, obviously our training ground is right by a railway station so yeah. I would imagine some of players will come by train and we just have to have to deal with the um, what happens when you arrive which would be similar for them as yeah. it was for me to go to broadcast you know, you're yeah. checked by your own company so for footballers they'll be checked by their football club and also checked by the training ground um, we don't own a training ground so they will have their own medical procedures mm-hmm. in place as well and at least I've had some experience of it and I can pass that on to our players for whom yeah, you know, yeah, coming well, out after lockdown will be the first time Well, we, we yeah, will travel on a coach uh, most of the time in fact the only time we've ever I think the only time we've ever flown was we flew up to Hartlepool in Gary Johnson's day because I remember going. Um, but uh, even then, it was a it, we flew to Newcastle and then you had to get a bus from Newcastle. It was all right. In the end, they said it's easier to go on the coach all the way, so they did. But um, you know, but but Martin, um, you've you've seen numerous games, no doubt. Um, difficult question, probably to answer for you. But what would you say is the best game you've ever watched? Is there one that you can put your finger on? Yeah, there is because I have, you know, it is a question I get asked a lot, and I like to answer them. <laughs> and it would be easy to say I've been thousands of them. I've been very lucky to broadcast thousands of games, but um, the one I always refer to is the Liverpool four, Newcastle three. Mm. The first four, three, there were two back to back seasons in the mid nineteen nineties. This is the first one, the one where Stan Collymore scored the uh, winner in added time yeah. for Liverpool. Um, but it was a game that had everything. It was a game that um, both teams were going. For for the title but neither of them won it actually mm. um, but uh, it was uh, the stakes were high uh, the attacking emphasis was high there was an early goal which often helps I think in terms of opening games up Robbie Fowler scored early on for Liverpool but once there's been an equaliser they didn't lead again until Collymore scored uh, to make it 4-3 in added time so it was two for um, uh, for Fowler two for Collymore and then uh, Les Ferdinand scored you know they scored Aspria scored so they were top players who got the goals but it was a, an attacking everything that you want from football was encapsulated in that 90 minutes and even the drama Kevin Keegan draped across the advertising hoardings at the end when the, the, his team conceded the seventh goal of the game and but I think even he has admitted since what a wonderful match he was to be a part of even as a loser uh, so that's that's my pick Time for the last of Martin's musical choices, and this one is The Righteous Brothers and Soul and Inspiration.
brothers there and soul and inspiration so what about uh best player performance through throughout your career uh, i think that's harder do you know i have a view about football that it's a team game and i'm not over fussed about the individual awards that um that get handed out uh, player of the season man of the match it's a team game you know it's, mm. we're all in it together and i i do really feel that not available now. there are no question that um outstanding individual performances I was a wannabe centre forward so I always admire those who can score vast numbers of goals I think Alan Shearer's 260 Premier League goals is, uh, is a, a wonderful achievement and whether anybody will, will get close to that there'll be a, a few setting out now hoping that they can but uh, I think uh, Barry Shearer also had like two or three major knee operations during that period as well yeah, so yeah. Uh, I, I, I admire I admire that kind of player. I admire the, the physical presence in the box, if you like, mm. and uh, that, that's, um, that's what I tried to be. I know how difficult it was, and I know by the margins that I failed by, but um, yeah, that, that's what excited me about football even before I played it, was the net bulging. So I think anybody who can score goals on a, on a regular basis gets my vote, you know. Yeah. And uh, manager-wise, I mean, I presume being up in the old commentary box, you don't really get to see the managers much, or, or, or am I wrong? No, I, I mean, it's slightly changed, obviously, with the vastness of the, of the Premier League compared to, uh, which, I mean, vastness in terms of numbers of broadcasters coming. I mean, it was, in the past, it was maybe two or three commentators. When I started, I was the only commentator in my first match, which was at Southampton at the Dell, the old ground. Mm. And... Uh, 
And if you maybe there were games where a couple of channels, uh, English channels, UK channels, were covering the same game, uh, but now they, it's it's become a, a global event. So so that does make it difficult for the managers themselves. They have to do so many um, post-match interviews for um, for all these different countries. It's all part of the contractual deal with the Premier League, and I mm-hmm. say they have to. They actually do have to. Mm-hmm. The clubs get fined if they don't do them. Uh, so it's more difficult but I, um, I try to go to watch training when I can where you can obviously get a, a better relationship with uh, with managers I mean you mentioned Gary Johnson earlier Gary is typical of uh, the kindness shown to me um, after, well, say Bristol City for example I, I remember doing a Bristol City game and spending some time with him in the build up and letting him tell me about his players rather than me just like reading up on it you know yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of understanding from within the game about the jobs that commentators do um, is, is uh, the gratitude is uh, a million fold you know mm. because mm. It, it keeps me it keeps me ticking over in return you have to prove that you're trustworthy and that you, you don't go blabbing your mouth off to no. uh, the opposition or any anybody in fact a careless careless talk from uh, yeah. that kind of situation does cost careers yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, I've, I've obviously known a a lot of stuff that wasn't in the public domain before matches started and obviously then when the game starts you can reveal reveal your knowledge but not always your sources of that knowledge <laughs> no, so, quite. Uh, but G- Gary uh, was, was I, very I, I get on with I, I get on I get on with them um, very well I hope they the managers by and large understand that I love the game as much as they do um, and uh, Gary although now of course it's been quite a rivalry between talking and Woking yeah, um, yeah. Um, we've, we've, we've had some um, some tremendous tussles in the last couple of years because we both got promoted together so uh, um, but that's you know underpinning the rivalry on the day is is a mutual respect and I hope affection certainly from my part you know? well Gary Gary was always very very media conscious um, you know I can remember the very first time I met him uh, and we thought you know who's Gary Johnson nobody knew knew much about him at all I'd heard talk sport talk about him on the radio about being manager of Latvia and one thing or another um, but once you met the bloke he, you know he, he cast his his charm on you and you know I worked with him for 12 years I think and you know he, he's, he's a, a dear friend now and a great bloke to, to, to know and to be with you know never lost his call the with family, me the, the family too I mean uh, I don't know Lee so well but Peter Johnson uh, I, I played a game for Woking my one game for Woking um, was in 2004 at the age of 58 I played in the reserves with Pete and yeah. Pete Johnson and Glenn Cockerell and Matt Crossley who played um, for Martin O'Neill at Wickham with a was a fine player, uh, and we had uh, um, Adriano Basso in goal who played for uh, Bristol, Bristol City. City think, yeah, and, yes, he yeah, was. and and was was the normal first team goalkeeper, I think. Uh, a lad called Luke Oliver who also had a spell at Yeovil. Yes, think. he and did. He, I remember Luke, big tall career. guy, wasn't he? Very tall. Yeah, and, and uh, I played in that team. And Pete played, and um, we you know we we've, we've got a bit of history together, and a nice. History too, so um, you know that, that that's. Uh, it's, I was so pleased we both went up, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. because it was right nip and tuck, and um, the fans had stoked up a real rivalry. Uh, we've got um, a lad called Ben 
Gehring, who lives in Torquay, oh, right. <laughs> who plays for us and has some history down there. Uh, so it was it was it was very good fun. Yeah. Um, uh, but it didn't it didn't change the uh, the friendship that we took into it. Yeah. No, um, uh, so uh, I, I know how to behave myself in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But uh, you'll find when you do if you do come across Lee that Lee's very much a, a chip off the old block. I find he's he's uh, he's got the same sort of relaxed attitude about people doesn't sort of you know lose his cool and uh, you know he's, he's a nice guy Lee he, you know you'll like him I'm sure if you do come across him on your travels but um, uh, well, I, 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 I have bumped into him a couple of times but I haven't done a game where he's been the manager so no. we haven't had those conversations like I've had with Gary yeah but, um, so I've got talking to Gary's I've, I've got to, as a Man United supporter since 1957 I've got to ask you about Gary Neville now whenever I've been to Old Trafford and I, I, I felt when Gary was playing I thought he was an absolutely tremendous fullback what's he like as a person tremendous yeah he's a force of nature what you hear on the television is what you get it's not an act or anything like that no he's um he's bright he's innovative uh, he loves the game and uh, he's a good sport and I think one of the reasons that he's been so popular as a as a pundit it's not a word I like using actually but as an analyst shall we say yeah. is that he, he, he's not shy of taking the mickey out of himself and yeah. I think that's a very endearing quality um, it's a privilege to work with him um, the players obviously I commented on a lot of Gary's games and Jamie Carragher's games and, yeah. and, and it's, it's nice to have that um, expertise alongside you and, and, and they energise me I mean I'm, I'm lucky that I'm, I've, I've still got my health and I, and, uh, but I need I need um, you know young people around me that's the coaching helps that as well because it's great to go I'll be putting my boots on on Thursday again yeah. and, uh, uh, and and sort of metaphorically I put my boots on when I go to work and, and, and Gary's there and we you know, we've, we've had quite a lot in common actually with the non-league and um, we played Salford five times uh, the clubs that I've been at um, oh, yeah. with uh, three times at Hampton and Richmond and twice at Woking yeah. uh, five times the last five pre-seasons we played we played them and Gary's uh, Gary set, set up the, the matches we've been up there a couple of times and they've been down here three times so um, that's that's a nice um, addition to, yeah. to yeah. The, the move so no he's, he's terrific and um, you know I do hope your listeners really um, that many of them do watch us on Sky Sports we all we all really care about the game as much as the fans do and we don't always get it right that's the nature of broadcasting but we do our very best it's not because we ever take it for granted um, we we really feel that it's a privilege to be in the jobs that we have well I think you do a tremendous job I mean I'm biased perhaps because I watch it all but I mean uh, you know not just Sky Sports but I mean BT Sport the same uh, even the BBC the same you know it's a football coverage generally on television whether it's terrestrial or paid for I don't think you can beat it really and when you look at the the efforts they've gone with this crowd noise and what have you I mean incredible you know the the ingenuity behind that for example well the sound engineers they they should be getting the plaudits for what they've done for the last uh, of those 40 odd days that we had between June the 17th mm. and July the 26th so, um, because you can absorb yourself in it and even in the ground when I'm commentating I, I have the 
uh, access in my headphones to crowd noise, so I pumped that up to pump myself up, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it it really has been a massive help over the uh, over the restart period. Do you find the travelling, you know, a bit of a bind, um, Martin, or not? Not really, no. I, it, if I sat at home, I wouldn't be doing the job. So, no, no I, I tried. I tried to lead the life that you know I've been able to lead for a, a few decades now. I, I've, I don't. Um, I don't give in. I don't feel there's any concession that I have to make to uh, the aging process. I'm sure there are. I mean, but you, when it creeps up on you, you don't really realise. So, <laughs> I still. I've driven, driven to all the games that I've. Um, I've been at uh, in, in the um, since the lockdown was ended, or since the Premier League restarted. Yeah, uh, and I've driven on my own because that's the way it has to be. Um, I've had some quite lengthy. I think my my uh, hands-free um, bill on my phone will be pretty <laughs> excessive. We've talked our way home, a few of us together, with um, long telephone conversations. Um, uh, obviously, within the, the laws of the land, the driving laws, and we've um, uh, we've been a number of us who've, who've travelled a lot to the matches in the northwest, in particular. So, mm. um, no, it's it it's, it's comes with the territory, um, and I wouldn't want it any other way. To be honest, I did think, Aidy, to be honest with you, that when we restarted, we would be commentating from the studio. Um, BT. Uh, they did the German commentary from the commentators' own homes, so um, obviously there was less um, uh, allowed movement in that time, and so they had uh, equipment brought to their home, so they were literally commentating in their own studies or lounges or whatever, um, and that was a terrific effort by everybody involved. Uh, we obviously came in a bit later, um, and they, uh, the German commentators had gone to the football in Germany so we were like the English commentators going to the football in England yeah. um, so so we we were allowed to go and we, we had to pass these stringent tests to um, uh, to be able to be allowed in every game we had to fill in questionnaires and have the temperature tested more than once um, to be allowed in I was it was when it was a very hot day and you'd driven for three or four hours you wondered whether <laughs> your body yeah. might have yeah. passed the legal limit for any but um, uh, luckily, uh, I managed to get through all those um, all those temperature tests. They, they sort of fire this imaginary gun at you. It's a gun, obviously, of some mm. value for how how it works. I don't know, but it registers a digital display on the on the machine. And uh, if you're in the limits, in you go. And if you're not, out you go. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, actually, I hadn't heard too many of that happening. Thank no, goodness, no. I didn't hear. It wasn't. It was a, a sort of you know, if you drive three hours and you suddenly think, well, I might not get through this test. Yeah. It, it, it preys on your mind a bit more than it should do, really, and it, it never it never was a question for, for well, anything. I'm so we, we, all, we all got in, and we all tried to do our best for everybody we were representing, which obviously is a much bigger television audience yeah, than yeah. we would normally have, because obviously people would be at the games. Well, I'm only two years behind you, but I must admit, uh, if I'd had to drive all the miles that I've driven for Yeovil, um, without anybody in the car with me I think I would have struggled with that a little bit so I can quite imagine why you use the phone a lot um, you know just keep well, there's a great radio station called Atlantis which is uh, uh, announces itself as broadcasting from the 1960s and it's got the gr- 
best pop music ever, and it's not just the hits. It's got all the ones that reached number 32 in the NME charts in 1963, yeah. things like that. And that's been a, a great source of um, uh, energy for me to uh, to listen. And I do like singing along. I, I, actually, I did um, get asked to do an article for one of the national newspapers, and I did admit that how they were asking me how I kept my voice going in lockdown. I said, well, actually, I... I once met a voice therapist and she said uh, don't be frightened of singing because it's the um, you know it keeps the vocal cords active and the sing along with the car radio and sing along in the shower and all that stuff so I did a fair bit of that in um, March, April and May and um, now now this radio station is just, I don't think it's a national I think you have to go on the internet to get it it's called Atlantis I thoroughly recommend it if you like pop music for from the 60s and you're playing records of my choice in this show and yeah. you know how much I love Pop yeah, yeah. Well, of course, Atlantis used to be one of the pirate stations. There was a, a pirate station called Radio yeah. Atlantis before. I, 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 I came across a lot of that. Radio London, Radio Caroline. Yeah. They, I was at university in Norwich in the 60s. Yeah. And the, they, these boats were just off the East Anglian shore. So um, we, we lived for the, the pirate stations who made a big impact on, on the current broadcasting, broadcasting scene at the time when BBC Radio didn't play much pop music so it yeah. sort of forced into Radio 1 and uh, the rest is history so I suppose in a way television's done the same with football with the sports channels and uh, 20 years before that happened the pirate radio ships played their part as well well if, you, if you're into that sort of thing Martin I do a show on our station called The Retro Show and we I've got a whole load of um, actual broadcast uh, CDs of, from Radio Caroline and, uh, and London and Radio North Sea, and we we play a section of the show is is a is a you know uh, going back back in the days, and we we, we play that stuff, and uh, so I love it. So uh, yeah, don't say that stuff. I mean, it's great stuff. You're yeah, no, defecating no. about it. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. No, I love it. I love it. Uh, well, you did you did compliment me on my choice of um, yes, yeah, no. for this show, didn't you? Well, so love I love affair in particular. <laughs> I thought was uh, I, I like love affair. They, they, yeah. I, that's one I do in the shower as well. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. Uh, and bring it, bring it. Football's a, a great, um, you know, bringing on back the good times. That's what football's trying to do again. Mm. And we we all need a bit of that at the moment. And um, you know, how do you see the future then, Martin? I mean, you know, what, what, if you had to predict how things are going to go, I mean, obviously we know that. Well, we hope that the Premier League and, and League One will certainly. Uh, uh, you know, do you see many changes? I mean, for example, uh, Bayern Munich played Chelsea. And I noticed that their stadium was just a stadium. They didn't go to all these lengths that we have in the in the Premier League with all these big, um, you know, advertising hoardings and, and messages and what have you. Do you see that uh, continuing? I think that might have been a UEFA rule. Um, they're very careful about what you what you show in European games. Mm. Um, I don't know, Heidi. I'd love to look mm. into the crystal ball and come up with something that was. Um, would make us all uh, a little bit happier about our beloved game. We just have to deal with it as it comes along. Um, I don't think those who are making the decisions that will influence our lives generally and our football lives in specific terms are sure. I thought by now we might have had some test events, but at the moment... Um, we haven't really, not with crowds in. Um, so I just suck it and see and mm. try and um, 
make the days count. Don't just count the days. That yeah. was good advice I got in back in March, and I've tried to live to that creed, really. Well, w- one point before we finish. Um, oh. How do you fit in the, the football and, and the scheduling for Sky and what have you? Does that often clash? Yeah, it does from time to time, but let me say first and foremost, I'm a football commentator, you know, um, mm. that's, that takes preference over any coaching work or any work in non-league football. Um, uh, Alan uh, Dowson, Dowson, as everybody knows him in the game, he's known that right from the beginning, so there's never an issue if I say, I'm sorry, I'm doing a game on Saturday. Um he goes fine you know that, that's it and often he'll go oh, thank god for that or something like that <laughs> and get you out of my hair um but um no it's i often work on sundays yeah. um so if if i'm not working on the on the saturday then i go and and, and um i'm at the match but the uh, the main contribution i can make is that on the training nights obviously we um we do work really hard and um that there's not often too much of a clash with that so that's if, if i wasn't able to go to the training um then i feel um not entitled to be there at the games really but uh, as it stands i've been to um i've been to a good number of them and uh, i feel very lucky having striven to be a non-league player that have actually um, managed through Alan Dowson's brilliant managerial skills um, to do a bit better as a coach than I ever did as a player so it's um, you know it's, it's, it's not something I tried to do or it's not something I was striving for uh, it's just happened um, yeah I've put in a few hours and I am actually I would say quite categorical the cheapest coach in the whole of football. Um, no, nobody, nobody could earn less than me. Shall I say that? Yeah. And um, uh, so uh, I, you know, I guess I, I offer a, a, a pair of hands that's willing. How able those pair of hands are is for other people to judge. But I do, I do care about it. I care about the players. I care about the clubs I've worked at, and, and most of all. I absolutely love the game of football. It's given me an amazing life. I love the people in football. I'm proud to be accepted as a as a member of the football family. I've always felt that there's something about the ethics of the way the game is played. Of course, there are bad days for the game and bad headlines, but the actual context and the contest of a football match is of all the good. You're as strong as your weakest link. Everybody has to work together. That kind of uh, attitude and ethos and, and doing it the right way, I promise you, winning the wrong way means nothing. Mm-hmm. You might get a buzz for it, but it's it's there forever in your heart. You know that it's not right. So, But winning the right way and doing it together, that's why we get these amazing celebrations. That's why we get these groups who want to stay together. They've shared uh, an experience at a football club, um, and they, they want to keep that in the forefront of their minds for the rest of their lives. And it's an extraordinary thing that, that team sports allow that to happen. And, and of all the team sports, I think football is the one you can't 
can't really manage without the team. In cricket, we, 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 you know, we've seen extraordinary individual contributions in the last few days, and I love cricket, but the individuals are actually judged as individuals. Mm. In football, you're judged by the team results, and um, yeah. uh, that's the way I'd, I love it to be. You know? I think you know. I think you get such tremendous highs. I mean, I had a tremendous high when Yeovil beat Brentford at Wembley. I mean, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I'll never forget those days. Equally, I can remember when we lost to Blackpool. So again, in a League One playoff. But you know, they are. They're just absolutely mind-blowing occasions, and the, the emotions, the highs and the lows are tremendous. Really, I mean, even the lows. I guess when you look back on it, it's, it's uh, well, look, Martin. It's been. Well, you have you have to have the lows to yeah to appreciate the highs. highs yeah, we've we've had uh, and and, and Gas and I and we've been together for fifteen years. We've had some ones we just look at each other sometimes and go, "Is it as bad as that one?" Or as bad, you know. Yeah. Um, but if you share them together and 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 the players, um, they they get education from the lows as well as the the real buzz from the highs as well. They they learn lessons in life, and I think the fact that football is so popular all over the world. Mm. It must have a force for good in it, mustn't it? In a, in a very complicated world, even before the pandemic, a complicated world, football is there as a strong thread through pretty yeah. much every society you want to name. And, you know, I think we should be proud, as football lovers, we should be proud of that. Yes, and I think, you know, when you get MPs criticising footballers at the time and we at the beginning of the pandemic I mean they were so so misguided and ill-informed of what footballers actually do do and that was the point and Marcus Rashford's proved the point there anyway you know but um, I think you, you have to be um, of a football mind to really understand the nuances of it and there are of course many many people uh, probably not too many people listening to this chat because they are football lovers but there are the whole world out there where football means nothing to people and then of course when their powers cross with a game sometimes there's prejudices and preconceptions that are wrong and I think what you've just referred to was exactly that and happily it was a storm in a teacup really and it's, uh, it's been shown and, and um, we also proud of Marcus Rashford of course mm. we are it's yeah. a fantastic effort on behalf of those people he, uh, who, who were, were losing out uh, families that were losing out in this mm. uh, political yeah. decision that he managed to force a U-turn and uh, um, he's a, an incredible young man And but I think typical of the, of the values that by and large the game stands for yeah well, look, Martin, it's been a privilege to talk to you, an absolute privilege, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you ever so much for, for joining us and uh, been really engaging, and, and I've enjoyed it immensely. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. That was Martin Tyler from Sky Sports Football. Um, in my opinion, the best football commentator around. I know people will refer to John Watson and to Barry Davis and to even David Coleman, maybe. But I, I think uh, Martin Tyler is the best. And it was really great to have him on our show and on Three Valleys Radio. So there we go. That's the end of the show for today. Please join us again next time when we'll have a new guest and uh, we'll talk to you then. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. The heart is a blue.
steps up through the stony ground There's no room No space to end This is Three Valleys Radio And you've been listening to In Conversation with A.D. Hopper And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you found a friend Stay tuned for all the local news and sport on Three Valleys Radio. A hand in return for grace. It's a beautiful.